Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Capital Stewards Podcast. We're excited to be back with you today to talk about building multi-generational wealth. I don't know if you ever do this, but last night I sent Brian a reel about how Jay-Z and Beyonce have hired their children. I think Jay-Z hired Blue on day two of her life, and they have been paying her a salary ever since then so that by the time she's I don't know, a very young age. She'll have millions and millions of dollars. They used her vocal sounds in an actual work product that they recorded on an actual song that they get royalties from. So she can get royalties from that. So you can't just hire your two-year-old and pay them to cry. That doesn't work. Um, but we'll talk about some of the things that you can do. All that to say, we're talking about building multi-generational wealth. Whether you hire your children as employees or not, how you can build a legacy for your family and pass that on through generations. Hello and welcome to the Capital Stewards Podcast. Are you a professional who wants straightforward, trustworthy financial strategies that you can act on? Are you entering your highest income earning years and discovering that your personal finances are becoming too complex? We get it. You're a highly competent professional, but you don't have time to go deep on your personal finances the way you do with your day job. Hi, I'm Brian. Helping professionals make smart financial decisions is my passion. I run a financial advisory practice called The Capital Stewards and work with professionals like you who are trying to cut through the noise every day. It's time to stop Googling every question you have about money and dive into some real professional guidance. So let's get moving. So I wanted to start with maybe what not to do, because I think to your point about Instagram reels, generational wealth is not built by flipping, trading, or quick wins. What Really? Yeah. What you see on YouTube, however unfortunate, is not real life. Instagram is not real life. If there's a private jet in a social media video, it's probably a good sign you should just turn that off. But I really want to be Grant Cardone or whatever his name is. Yeah. Generational wealth is occasionally built with ideas that turn into companies or with unique creative abilities or superior talents. And sometimes that can happen pretty quickly. But often it takes years of building assets, building a business. And sometimes, and we'll talk about this more uh, in detail later in the episode, but it, sometimes it becomes apparent to people quickly or people learn about someone's wealth pretty quickly. But the building process actually took years and years and years. And so what we want to do here is talk about how do you start building wealth if you don't have one of those sort of unique creative abilities or superior talent in something or an idea that's going to become the next Fortune 500 company? I, I appreciate this question so much because as, as much as I might, well, I don't actually aspire to it, but if I was a person who did aspire to it, I don't think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be Elon Musk or Bill Gates or any of the other, you know, innovative billionaire CEOs. So you don't have to be. And that's kind of where I wanted to start. In this first section, I call it assets are more important than income. Assets are greater than income. The first step is to reframe your thinking about growing your income to growing your assets. You may have heard that entrepreneurs stop trading time for money. They build assets that produce income, whether they show up or not. A good Give way us to... an example of some of those assets. So think about your current investment portfolio, right? It goes up or it goes down even while you're on vacation. It can go up while you're sitting at the beach. It can also go down while you're sitting at the beach. But you showing up to do something is not required for it to continue to grow and produce income. 
Real estate's another example of that, right? House prices go up, they go down. If you own real estate, it's probably going to appreciate over a long period of time, regardless of whether you show up or not. Your yeah, it doesn't portfolio. inherently mean it's passive. Correct. Yeah, your, your investment portfolio still needs to be managed. Portfolios of publicly traded companies or businesses that you own and operate, those need to be managed. So it doesn't mean that you sort of can do nothing, but those assets are continuing to grow, produce income, and create long-term value in a way that's disconnected from the time that you're putting. I think this can be really difficult for, there's a lot of barriers, I guess I would say, in order to start down this journey. Because to your point, so many of us are trained to go through the milestones of life and end up in a, in some kind of role job that is a clock in, clock out, whether you're an hourly or a salaried employee, it's really still an exchange of time for money. How do you think about people getting started on building assets instead of income? Especially given that, you know, usually someone does need income to survive today Yeah, and balancing those responsibilities because, you know, I imagine most of the people, all of the people listening to the show have, have really full lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think this is a really important concept. So it starts with something I call building the wedge. And that means that you're increasing the wedge or the gap between your expenses and your income. So otherwise known simply as saving more money. You're probably already saving for retirement, but if you're going to build generational wealth and generational assets, you've got to kind of take a different approach. So when we think about retirement saving or the saving that you're probably doing today, you put money in your 401k, all that's good stuff, right? But that starts with projections about how much income you're going to need in you know, 30 or 40 years. And then maybe you're going to do some things along the way, like send your kids to college. And then you sort of work backwards to take a haircut off your income or 10 to 15%. And you're going to save that 10 or 15%. You're going to invest it over 30 years. You're going to have this nest egg that's going to be there for retirement. Building multi-generational wealth requires a completely different approach. Instead of asking how little can I save to replicate my income when I retire in 20 or 30 years, the operative question is more like, how little can I spend now so that I can save the rest? Correct. Yes. Massive philosophical kind of like mindset shift. Yeah. That makes sense. So you just said basically to take on the mindset of building multi-generational wealth, I should save everything that I can. So you mentioned previously this idea of saving, in, but it wasn't for the intent of necessarily just having a set of dollars at the end. It was saving the money so that you could invest in or acquire assets. Yeah. So imagine now I'm in a scenario, Brian, where I've, I've been saving up enough money that I am ready to you know, take action. How do I get started? What are some things that I could should consider as I want to move from having like dollars to having? Yeah. So building multi-generational wealth involves investing differently and acquiring assets differently than most folks that are simply saving for retirement as their primary goal. Because you're trying to build a larger pool of capital that's going to span longer than just, you know, your own lifetime, right? So I think there's a couple of things that you can look at uh, that start to do that. You can start a business. You can buy an existing business or you can buy real estate. Starting a business is a great place to build from. Once you have savings, contrary to popular opinion, it doesn't require a novel idea. I think a lot of folks think of starting a business and they're like, well, I'm not going to create the next Uber or the next Facebook or whatever. But a first business might be something that already exists maybe in the world. Maybe it doesn't exist in your local community. Maybe you can bring something you've seen somewhere else into your neighborhood. Maybe it's a franchise you've seen somewhere that doesn't exist in your um, local community. 
it could be something that you feel like is in demand. Maybe it already exists there, but there's just not enough of it in your particular space. Maybe the population is growing, people are moving in, it doesn't have enough of a, a new sort of local service business. So it doesn't have to be new or novel in order for it to be effective. But when we start talking about starting new businesses, it's important to know that most new businesses fail. 20% of new businesses don't make it out of the first two years, and then, and then another 65% don't last a decade. So if you're going to start a new business, you've got to do a lot of research and a lot of preparation, a lot of analysis up front to make sure that you're really confident about the idea that you have and the direction that you're going to go so that you can make sure that it works. I think a lot of folks that are thinking about starting a business should maybe also consider buying an existing business instead of starting from scratch. I like to say that it's much harder to go from $0 in cash flow to $10 in cash flow than it is to go from $10 in cash flow to $100 in cash flow. And the reason for that is it's just very difficult to create something from nothing. It's much easier to take a proven model that already exists somewhere and make that better and grow it. And when you think, I, I also um, talk to a lot of folks that say, well, how do you even go about buying a business? Where do I even start? There's lots of business brokers online. And so you can take some of the capital that you saved plus a small business loan. And you can go to any number of business listings that are online and look at folks that are in your community today that are looking to sell their business. They have an existing business. Maybe they want to retire. Maybe they want to move on and do something different. And, and so there are, there are lots of ways for you to buy existing businesses. And then the other thing is real estate. Obviously, you can buy rental property, not just short-term rentals, but long-term rentals, uh, smaller commercial properties, lots of things like that. And real estate's another place where you can use debt plus the savings that you've accumulated to start to acquire assets. You know, it's interesting, Brian, because you've brought up this idea of debt and leveraging debt in order to build multi-generational wealth. I feel like I hear from two very opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to debt. There's the thou shalt never have any debt ever uh, camp of folks. And this idea of you snowball your debt and pay off all your debt, you actually end up, you know, living a, a, a more financially favorable life. The second group, and quite honestly, I see the second group actually having more assets during their observable life are people who leverage debt as an instrument to acquire assets. And they actually advocate using debt as an instrument yeah. versus the thou shalt never touch debt camp. Sounds like you are kind of like in the pro debt camp. Tell us a little bit about maybe pros and cons of both sides or why you think about it the way you do. Yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm in the pro debt camp. I do talk to a lot of folks who are really passionate about being debt free. And when we peel back the onion a little bit, a lot of that is because in personal finance, when we come up, we grow up, maybe our parents taught us things, we learn things in school, but we're taught that debt is bad and we want to pay off all of our debt. And that's true for the majority of folks, the vast majority of folks' experience with debt is consumer debt. It's the stuff that we buy, we consume immediately, has no value in the future, and then we're just left with the debt at the end of the day. So when we talk about debt that we're using as a tool to buy assets, we're talking about something that is completely different. And that kind of debt, it's not good or bad. In and of itself, it's just a tool. It's like any other tool. If you use it incorrectly, it's dangerous. If I give our two-year-old a drill or a hammer, bad things are going to happen with a tool or some kind of knife from the kitchen, right? I don't even want to imagine what he's, what he's going to do. However, this doesn't apply necessarily to me because I'm not particularly handy, but someone can use a hammer or the tools um, and they can build something that is really useful and beautiful. 
So just like tools can be used for good, they can be used for bad. Excess spending on credit cards um, and consumer debt destroys wealth. But if you use debt correctly, it can help create wealth. Uh, you can use debt to buy assets that are going to, over time, make you, your family, your local community better off. I think an interesting example is Warren Buffett, right? Which a lot of folks I know from pop culture know who that is. But if you don't, um, he's the CEO of a company called Berkshire Hathaway. He's a legendary investor. They own lots of businesses. Berkshire Hathaway has $400 billion in debt. They have more cash than that on their balance sheet. They could pay off all their debt tomorrow if they wanted to, but they choose not to. And it's because it helps generate better financial outcomes for Warren and for the other owners of Berkshire Hathaway. So I think it's important to think about debt as a tool that we can use properly um, and not as a moral prerogative. Earlier, you mentioned the word diversification. This sounds like if I was going down this journey that I would have the opposite of diversification because I might only be able to afford to start like one asset type, or even if I if I was going down this journey, that I might want to replicate that asset type over and over again. So talk to us a little bit about diversification principles when it comes to building multi-generational wealth and kind of in that, with that set of assets that you might have over time. Yeah. So at the beginning of the process, you're likely only going to own a couple of assets. Maybe you buy a business or you buy a property. You're a lot of your wealth is going to be tied up in a small number of things. And that's okay. That is often how wealth is built is in concentrated positions. But over time, it is wise to diversify. If you start with rental real estate, buy a small business, but pay somebody else to run it. If you start a business, then buy an investment property or buy a portfolio of, of stocks and bonds. Some assets are going to perform better than others. And when you diversify, it minimizes the risk that one bad decision in a business or on a, on a piece of you know, property or something like that changes the circumstance of your sort of long-term generational wealth journey. So diversification is still really important after you get through that kind of initial period of, of buying your first asset when you start to think about asset two, asset three, asset four. Got it. Any other principles that you want to share with our audience as we think about potentially getting started in building multi-generational wealth? I think the last thing is that it takes time. Think about the families you know that have accumulated significant wealth in your community, or maybe even people that you just heard of, was it built quickly? I think the media makes it difficult to understand what really is going on here because we hear about overnight success stories. But in reality, that family was probably building a business for years. And then they finally just reached the tipping point where more people became aware of what they were doing seemingly overnight. Publicity and awareness can occur really quickly, but building the assets takes a lot of time. And so the truth is it takes a long time to build wealth and assets. We talked earlier about how a lot of new businesses fail. So some entrepreneurs may fail once or twice before they find success. You may have to, you may buy a property and break even and then sell it and buy another one before you start to really sort of get things right. And so it takes some time. So you have to be patient and be willing to give time. This seems like a good place, speaking of time, for us to pause and kind of recap the things that we've talked about and kind of put a bow on things for our listeners. So when you think about recapping everything that we've talked about thus far, what would you summarize for our listeners, Brian? Yeah. So as you start building generational wealth for your family, I think there's five principles to think about. Number one is that assets are the goal. You want to use your income to start buying assets. Two, you need to increase your savings to buy more assets, not just sort of think about retirement savings, but really think about how much can I possibly save to increase the asset level that I have to go acquire businesses, real estate, stocks, bonds, investment assets, et cetera. Third is don't be afraid of 
debt. We just talked about debt being a tool, not a moral prerogative. And then lastly, diversify appropriately. When you get to the point where you've got lots of cash flows and have the capability to do that, and then you've got to just give it time. It takes time to build wealth. Nothing's going to happen overnight. And so I think you've got to give it time to be successful. Awesome. Well, thanks for getting us started on our conversations about multi-generational wealth. Look forward to coming back with a little bit more content in our next episode. Sounds great. The commentary provided is for general audiences and educational purposes only. It should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice for your specific situation. That's why you should talk to a professional. Hello. Past performance of market results is no assurance of future performance. All the information on the podcast has been obtained from sources we deem reliable as of the date of this recording, but it's not guaranteed.